0: naked under our clothes episode eight Ooh, two whole months of me recording these podcasts thank you for tuning in i am your host roxanne and this is a podcast talking about vulnerability and the ways that we can build community around it I will uh, start by saying that, you know, I've had a few uh, adult beverages. And (laughs) so bear with me um, as we make it through to the end of this episode. Um, Another thing that I wanted to bring up um, before getting into this podcast is just talking a little bit about um, uh, the way that I come about um, coming up with the topics that I that I talk about and um, just uh, what you can expect or what you might have experienced um, as a result of me maybe not being so forthcoming around my process. Disclaimer, before we get into that, um, I have three dogs and they all love me so much so much so that they do not want to be a part of me or apart from me today um and so you might hear some some toe tapping and some whining from momo who who desperately needs my attention today so i'm just going to keep them in my uh the room that i record um in an effort to stay bonded to the animals who need me most um but let me tell you a little bit about my process um, in formulating the topics um, and just what you've probably experienced. So, you know, these topics that I talk about um, in these these podcasts or these episodes is really, you know, uh, a, a product of conversations, many, many conversations that I've had with um, various people, whether that be friends, family, colleagues, um And um, uh, and sometimes, you know, these are topics that oftentimes, actually, these are topics that I think about um, on my own and I think about in depth. And so I um, think what better way to talk about them or process them than by, you know, creating an episode um, where I can maybe create some dialogue or some, you know, deep thought around some of the topics that I um, find near and dear to my heart. And so that being said, you know, me having conversations with many people or having ideas that spring up, um, uh, you know, throughout my day, I write these, these topics down and I, uh, have this little notebook where I keep, uh, some of these ideas and, you know, um, I formulate, you know, different points that I want to, um, touch on and, Address and questions that I want to address or pose to the art uh, the audience. And um, these happen or this happens, you know, sometimes weeks before I actually record the episode. Um, and I and I say all of this to say that, you know, um, I've had some feedback from from my friends, from peers, from colleagues, from just acquaintances, from strangers um with regards to um specific topics that bring up something important for them to process or you know maybe they uh, a person um makes a suggestion about maybe something I should talk about and um sometimes I don't talk about it right away you know or um sometimes Uh, I like to think a little bit more in depth about what I want to talk about before bringing it to the podcast or sometimes, you know, it might feel like I'm talking directly to someone. And I just want to emphasize, you know, that um, this podcast and the episodes that I that I that I bring up or that I talk about. Um, the topics, the topics that I, I bring to this podcast, they're not directed at anybody specifically. Sometimes, um, it's, you know, in re- direct response to a situation that has happened. And you'll, you'll notice that in some of the previous podcasts, but, or episodes, but this is not it's directed at anybody specifically, um. And, you know, I want to just emphasize that because I know that there's a lot of people that I work with and that I know closely and have built really profound relationships with who might be listening and thinking, oh, is she talking about me? And I just want to reiterate (laughs) that no, I am not talking about anybody specifically. This is a compilation of uh, many different experiences and conversations that I've had with multiple different people. And so uh, when I come to the podcast, I don't come with any ill will or malice intention to call anybody out specifically, um, but rather to call out the subject or the topic that um, I choose to talk about that day. Um, and I encourage for those of you who do have really intense um, responses to these episodes to really reflect on why that is. And I think that's a that could be a great opportunity or great platform or a great foundation for which to, you know, really catapult yourself into some really deep and meaningful work. Um and so I just really encourage everyone who listens to this podcast to reflect on why they might have such a visceral response or a reaction that they don't really understand why why do you have that, and what does that mean for you and what does that mean for the work that you intend on doing? Hmm. What does that mean for the work that you intend on doing? Okay, and know that. <laughs> Know that you can um, send any feedback, responses, questions, concerns to the podcast email, which is n like naked, U-O-C, podcast at gmail.com. Episode eight, talking about internalized oppression. Oh, I hope this is not a long episode. I have a beer that's cracked and I'm ready to get down and dirty with this topic. And I hope you guys are down for the ride. Um, internalized depression, gosh, I could say so much about internalized depression, but I think I'll start with um, a definition about, you know, regarding internalized depression. Um, um, and my understanding of internalized depression is holding, uh, you know, You know. and this is not gonna be, um, concise or well thought out by any means but it's the idea that society or societal constructs have this larger view of a group of people or um of some something and that the group that society may hold this um this this idea or this perspective on or this thought about um that group then internalizes that message and it shines through in their own experiences or their own lives um, so holding oppressive views uh, oppressive views towards one's own group um, and then somewhat playing into that um, for whatever reason and um this is. <sighs> This is a really hard topic for me to talk about because it wasn't until recently that I realized that I was contributing to this uh, larger, this larger construct of societal, um, or excuse me, internalized oppression. And my own beliefs and my own interpretations of my, my identities, the various identities that I hold, the various vulnerable identities that I hold. And, you know, for a very, 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 very long time, I I would conduct myself in a way that kind of um, uh, promoted the, the a uh, societal impression of these identities that I hold in a way that was detrimental to my identity. Um, and I didn't even see the ways that I was contributing to that. Um, so blindly. Uh, but I'm so glad to say that I've done some thoughtful work and that has d- been done, you know, in therapy and has been done in grad school and it has been done in um, various relationships in which I f- felt so- safe enough to explore um, the ways in which I've been oppressed and the ways that I've internalized um, the messages uh, that society and, um, you know, that has kind of instilled upon me and um, and so I'm, I'm grateful that I've, I'm, I'm coming to understand the ways that I, I engage in or, uh, uh, succumb to internalized oppression. Um, but it's hard. Um, it's hard for me to acknowledge, um, that for so long I've been so blind <laughs> and have just been trying to, uh, kind of engaging in some sort of self-deprecating, um, uh, humor and, you know, conversations or whatever, you um, know, in, in efforts to just kind of fit fit in, you know, and I think that that's kind of w- w- where I land and where I, I I have the most frustration and conflict with this whole concept is that, When I think about myself and the way that I've conducted myself for a long time, I think about the reasons I've conducted myself that way. And at the end of the day, at the end of each interaction, at the end of each situation or each experience, the goal that I've always had was I just want to fit in with the larger group. And I didn't really give a fuck how that meant or what that meant for me and what that meant for my identity and what that meant for me um, and how people perceived me. But I just wanted so desperately to fit in. And, you know, I've come to a, a place where I've kind of appreciated the ways that I stand out and I... Um, I, I, I'm i comfortable with myself, but then I think about uh, people who haven't yet reached that level of comfort with themselves and that they're probably still... Um, and, you know, when I say comfort, I mean comfort regardless, you know, in, in many different iterations or definitions of that word comfort, right? There's probably a lot of people who are going to be listening to this podcast who haven't reached a level of comfort with themselves and their identity, that they might be subconsciously engaging in internalized oppression. Um, and I really, really want for people to have some really profound thoughts around how they do this and how they can do this differently. Right. Um, So, you know, when I think about myself and I think about internalized oppression and I think about just the ways that I've wanted to fit in, I have so many different examples um, from my own life um, about this. And, you know, I think a lot about my different identities and 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 how desperately I just wanted to be perceived as. Um, you know, I wanted to be accepted. Um, and that was a frustrating thing for me to realize um, on many different levels. And something that I, I fought really desperately to just accept about myself is that I hold identities that do not subscribe to societal standards. I hold identities that do not subscribe to societal standards and put societal motherfucking standards in quotations because it's fucking relative and it's bullshit (laughs) they probably should not have had as much beer as i've had to talk about this but i'm glad that i have because it allows me to be a little bit looser in in this conversation and so I, I think about a couple of different examples. And I, the one that is so profound for me is being black in society. God damn. If that is not an identity, if you are not a person of color, you will never understand this. And I'm just going to say that and I'm not going to apologize for it. But I just want to clarify that if you are not a person of color, you will not understand what it's like to navigate society as a person of color a person that has darker skin and those are the people that I'm speaking to specifically who will understand what what I'm about to say and it's not to say that other marginalized identities aren't important because I'm not I'm not trying to get in a pissing match right I'm not trying to say oh you know being black or being a person of color is different from being a you know is harder than being a woman no I'm not trying to get into that that pissing match that's just one that's just not worth my time and there's many reasons why it's not worth my time every identity that is marginalized has its own challenges it is not going to serve anyone to compare our shortcomings to another identity that we have no idea about. It. I will say that one more time. It is not worth anybody's time to compare shortcomings with respect to one identity. It's not worth our time to compare it to shortcomings of another identity. It is a waste of time. Because it is all relative to our own experiences, our own surroundings, our environments, our whatever. All the things that put us in a space, in a situation, at a point in time, there is no other person in the world that is going to have A clear understanding of the shortcomings you have gone through based off of all that makes you, that all all the experiences that comprise you, right? So just get rid of that shit. If you're trying to, if you're coming onto to this episode and you're like, oh, well, I'm a woman. Or, oh, I'm transgender. And that's, you know, that's infinitely harder than being a person of color. That's not what this episode is about. It's not about comparing those. Okay. I said that. All right. All that just, I'm not saying that your experiences mean anything less to you than my experiences. I'm merely saying they are different. We need to be able to acknowledge that everybody has different experiences. Okay, (laughs) soapbox, off it. Okay, so talking a little bit about my own examples of internalized oppression. I am a black woman. And I'm gonna speak to two different examples. Okay, being black. When I was growing up, when I was coming up i was grow- uh, you know i was raised in a pretty urban community I grew up in new york and i came i came up in a fairly you know low- socioeconomic status community and even though I was surrounded by people who identified similarly in terms of socioeconomic status status, and even racial identity, for some reason, I never wanted to subscribe to whatever that experience was, right? So for a long time, and for many different reasons, which I won't get into in this episode, I really struggled with the identity, the specific identity of being Black, and I didn't really notice my struggles until I was taken out of my community in New York where I was surrounded by other young people who identified as people of color or black. It wasn't until I moved to Virginia in a very white um, community. I lived in Manassas and then I lived in Dulles Sterling area, you know, by the airport, if you're familiar with Virginia. And it was very, very white. And I was one of very few black people in my school. And I would constantly hear many different comments being made, racial comments being made, jokes, all this different stuff. And though I presented, I appeared very clearly as a person of color, as a black person, I really did not want to subscribe to whatever was being put down. And so I would often find myself engaging in comments and conversations where people were putting black individuals down. I would also engage in self-deprecating humor in efforts to align or connect with, you know, people and peers that didn't look like me. And I really adopted and held on to and maintained this need to put myself and an entire group of people down just because I wanted so desperately to be accepted in a community that honestly, when I look back, was never going to fucking accept me. And that wasn't until me hitting my late 20s. It wasn't until I hit my late 20s that I finally realized what I was doing and had a name for what I was doing. And it wasn't until just moments ago, literally, moments ago, that I realized that the reason behind my actions, the reason behind me engaging in self-deprecating humor, or in, 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 you know aligning with people who had these really negative perceptions of black people, it wasn't until recently. Seriously, literally moments ago that I realized it's because I wanted to connect. I just wanted to fit in. Another example of it is, you know, uh, me succumbing to the stereotype that black females are sassy when they're mad. Right. And I even see this show up. I I saw this show up today. In, in my, uh, in a room that I share with other colleagues, and, you know, I'm responding to something hilarious that happens, and, you know, I, I kind of adopt this, like, sassy black woman mentality where I'm like, oh, well, I'm not gonna do that thing, or, oh, oh, hell no, blah, 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 you know, and I just jumped into this, this, this identity that didn't really fit me, but I felt, And it's not that anybody in the room was expecting this of me. I just had this impression that this was what was expected of me. That I assume this identity. And, you know, again, I don't hold any, like, uh, uh, um, animosity towards my colleagues who hold a very safe space for me to be whoever the fuck I want to be. But for some reason, my mind just automatically went to, oh, I'm going to be the sassy black woman in this situation and say some sassy black woman shit because for some reason, that's what I perceived needed to happen. For some reason, that's what felt comfortable for me in that moment. Bullshit, right? I'm working really hard to change that. I don't want to just automatically jump to that. I don't want to automatically find myself in a position where I'm, I'm, you know, um, subconsciously degrading my identity, and that is what I've been doing, and it's going to take time for me to undo decades of this adopted narrative that that's what is expected of me in those situations. Zoom out. Zoom out, okay? Let's talk about something that regardless of your uh, social identity, right? Whether you identify as a person of color or as a, um, uh, you know, within whatever the societal gender norms are or not, or, you know, you have a different sexual identity or whatever, your ability um, is different than what society perceives as normal, however you identify. Let's zoom out of that, right? Let's talk about something that maybe, actually, a lot of people can at least align or connect with. Let's talk about work. Have you ever found yourself, and if you haven't, I'd be questioning a couple of things, but have you ever found yourself at the bottom of the totem pole? Coming in to a profession just fresh you've never had experience this is your first job out of college or high school or wherever you're coming from and you're at the bottom right you're new you're you're at the entry level position okay I feel like a lot of people can speak to this And, you know, you're maybe you're working on a team, right? Maybe you're working on a team with many different people with an array of different experiences and backgrounds. And, you know, and you're finding yourself at the bottom, right? The person who gets a lot of work, bullshit work pushed on, um, finding yourself doing all sorts of shit that nobody else would be doing or someone else is supposed to be doing or anybody could be doing. But for some reason, people look to you and say, so-and-so can do that work. So-and-so should do that work. They're at the bottom. They need this experience. And perhaps you have had your own personal experiences in whatever field you're working in. Say you're, you, you've had your own experiences. Uh, I don't know. I can only think of mental health because that's where I work, right? So I'm just going to use that example because that's what comes to my mind. But you're at the bottom and, you know, you, you, you know, and this is actually speaks specifically to me and I can talk about this, right? So I'll use this example, right? So I used to work in residential care and residential care is a place where young people or, old, you know, older people or whomever goes and lives in that facility for an extended period of time. And there's a a multitude of different um, professionals that they're going to interact with. And when I used to work in residential um, care, I was called a youth care counselor. And the youth care counselor would be responsible for many different things, but primarily they would be responsible for managing... uh, the the clients who were accessing those services. So, you know, that could look like uh, getting kids up or, you know, adults up and making sure that they take a shower and brush their teeth and, you know, setting goals for the day and making sure they were fed and all these different things. And in my experience of that, you know, a lot of the responsibility, (laughs) which people will not Oh, you know, people in, in, in managerial or uh, higher um, uh, rankings will n- likely, very often, will not acknowledge. But those people doing a lot of the legwork maintained the safety of the environment, had a lot of responsibility, had a lot of, you know, of, of, um, power. I mean, society would have you think differently, but I, my own experience is that I maintained a lot of the power and my job was crucial to the, the, the workings of the facility without me. You're not going to get shit done. You wouldn't have a facility. And so, you know, a lot of the responsibility would fall me and I'd be responsible for doing all sorts of different things. And, you know, I would find myself in meetings or whatever, and I'd be having conversations with other professionals, a lot of which, you know, many of which had more experience and more educational experience and, uh, than I did, Right. And so I'd be sharing or checking in and providing some feedback about what my experience was of so and so, and in the in you know the, the larger group setting. And I would also, uh, you know, i I would often find that you know, in order for people to hear me, a professional, someone with a master's degree or a PhD would need to say, or reiterate, or reframe what I just said in order for it to be heard. Frustrating, right? I know a lot of you can hear me and apply this to wherever you work, right? But it's frustrating, right? That you don't get heard unless another person who has more experience or more of an educational background says it too, and so, you know, you find yourself navigating these situations or these experiences or these environments. And, and eventually, the message that you receive, the message that you internalize, is that you need someone else's approval before it, it makes sense to the larger team. Or the work that you're doing isn't accepted unless it's, it's addressed or an, acknowledged by Someone who holds a higher ranking than you, and I saw this play out in in me in many different ways. Right? I would kind of fall back to, well, you're the caseworker, so what do you think? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I thought too. Or oh, you're the med prescriber. What what are your thoughts? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And so I kind of adopted this, this idea that whatever my experience was, whatever my interpretation, my impression was of a, a person that I was working with wasn't going to be validated. It wasn't worth being brought up or talked about unless someone else aligned with my experience. So I would, you know, I would go about my days and go about my interactions, you know, and just think about that. Whether or not I was thinking about it consciously or subconsciously, it would influence the way that I worked, where I worked at the time. And oftentimes I would always fall back to, well, you're the professional. I mean, what do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought, too. And I just adopted this narrative that, you know, well, I don't have the professional experience. I don't have the education. So I must not know what I'm doing. I must not know what I'm talking about. Oh, unless you know. Oh, you have the same impression. Yeah, well then, yeah, that's exactly what my impression is. And I robbed myself. I not only robbed myself of the growth that I could have potentially had, in that position, but I robbed the, the people that I was working with, that being the clients, the service users, the patients, whatever, however you want to, you know, whatever you, however you want to view them or call them or, but then I also robbed the other professionals. Right. I robbed them of my own interpretation of what was going on. And I think back to that, and I have a lot of regrets. I wish that I, I just committed to my own beliefs. I committed, and not to completely, you know, where I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be flexible. But I wish that I committed to what I knew. What I knew. What I felt in me when I was working with the people I was working with. I think about it and I think about, you know, the way the place that I work and I think about many different places that I, you know, in situations or environments in which I interact. Right. I think about the grocery store and I think about the, the person who checks me out at the, the, you know, in the aisle and the fact that, you know, they might know the answer to my question but they call the supervisor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I was gonna tell them. But I just needed your 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 thoughts. And I'm curious about how that impacts how we are then perceived. Right? It's a. It's kind of like it's. A, I don't know that I would call it a self fulfilling prophecy, but it feeds into itself, right? It feeds into myself. If you don't trust your own experience or your own interpretation of something, are other people going to trust you? Where does the trust start? It starts with you, right? It starts with your own interpretation, your own experience, your own formulation of what's happening. The knowledge that you have. Do you trust the knowledge that you come with in situations? Or do you allow society to dictate what you trust? Do you trust yourself in situations? Or do you allow society to dictate what you trust about yourself? What you know about yourself? Hmm. I can go on and on and on about this topic. And I'm not in this episode. I just want to hold it there. Who do you give your trust to? Who deserves your trust? Who allows you to dictate? what you trust about yourself, what you know about yourself. And if your answer is that you allow society to dictate what you trust, what you know about yourself, in that you limit yourself How do you change that? How do you shift that? How do people around you support you in that shift? And how do they do it safely? How do people safely challenge you when they see you limiting yourself? Limiting yourself to something you might not even know you're doing. Oppressing yourself. How do the people around you support you so that you can shine through and as brightly as you should? Again, I can talk about this all day. God, I could talk about this all day. I can tell you that this is a topic that's gonna to come up again in a future episode. But for now, send your thoughts, feedbacks, comments, concerns to n like naked uoc at gmail.com. Again, n like naked uoc podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening and until next time